When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. I'm Alexander Chester, and I can't believe you're still listening to this podcast, even with the whole affirmative action thing. And I'm Av Sedensky, and I tend to say stupid things to black people sometimes. <laughs> Welcome back. To pretty, pretty, pretty good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here to ta- today to talk about Season 1, Episode 9, Affirmative Action, the penultimate episode of the first season, which originally aired on December 10th, 2000. Of this episode, I thought, uh, as I was watching the episode, is one of the least memorable episodes of the uh, series. Yeah, I mean, I had basically no memory of it. Um, I was able to predict certain things that were going to happen just because of like, you know, we you know the basic structure of a Curb episode. Um, and this uh, this episode goes out of its way to put you on high alert every time a black person appears on, on screen that like yeah. they're going to be very important to the plot. <laughs> and we'll probably know the other black people involved in the story. But yeah, no, I, I didn't remember this storyline at all. Yeah, I I did remember when we see um, the dermatologist uh, first run into them on the beach. That I remembered, that interaction, but I don't remember any of the other parts. Yeah. So let me just ask you, what are your thoughts? Do you believe in affirmative action, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, why don't we jump right into the episode recap? So we start out, uh, Larry's on the phone. It becomes clear, apparently, that he's talking to none other than Richard Lewis. And Larry and Richard are talking about how clearly uh, there's something that Larry has done to Richard or something that he's been doing that's bothering him, and he wants to meet Larry in person so they could talk about it. And Larry says, why can't we just tell me? We're on the phone right now. Why can't you just tell me what the problem is, which is a perfectly reasonable question. But Richard would prefer to have this as like a uh, heart-to-heart, face-to-face type conversation. Um, Larry says, well, why can't we just pretend that we're blind people and then... It'll be. It'll make no difference. But you know, Richard uh, wants to go for that. So, um, have you? Do you? Do you have this like feeling in your life ever that like for an important conversation you want you'd rather have it face to face rather than on the phone? I mean, I don't really have in face to face conversation with anybody these days except for yeah. my wife and my kids. So, right. I, fair enough. <laughs> I don't remember those days anymore. I would love to have the opportunity to have a face to face conversation with anybody for any reason. So, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it when the doorbell rings because yeah. then it's like, oh. Maybe a person is here, and they're like, no, just yeah. a package. Yes, exactly. Um, oh, but the and, race in my house when the doorbell rings, my kids are like murdering each other to get to the Yeah, doorbell. it's like that's like one of the three activities yeah. of the day is when a package comes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, okay, so Larry's still on the phone, and he clearly wants to kind of end this conversation, and he does my least favorite Larry pet peeve. He says, hey, my wife is home. My wife. Now, of course, Richard Lewis knows Cheryl. She, he's probably met her many, many times. I don't know why Larry would refer to her as 
my wife. He could just easily say Cheryl. But anyway, he says he tells Richard he's been ordered off the phone and agrees that he's going to come meet him in 10 minutes. Yeah, I think the my wife thing is just to annoy you at this point. Yeah, um, Larry, David clearly, you know, listened to this podcast, traveled back in time, <laughs> yes, and exactly. rewrote episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm to uh, minor, you know, irritate me in a minor ways. Yeah, <laughs> my wife. So Cheryl tells Larry that she just came back from the doctor, and the doctor says she has dermatitis, which is some sort of you know skin rash problem. But she says she has a virus, actually. Oh, really? I'd missed that. Yeah, okay. that's the word she used, which uh, I'm very heightened to that word, obviously, right now. Yes. So, um, so um, Larry David says maybe perhaps we should practice some social distancing. <laughs> um, anyway, she says that the doctor says as long as she you know, gets her medicine and takes it, she'll be fine. It's not a big deal. So, Larry, can you please go fill this prescription that I have for this medicine and get it for me right away? Larry says, okay, but, you know, I'm about to actually about to go meet Richard. So, you know, I could fill the prescription while I'm out there. But then I know we're supposed to meet for dinner at six. But, like, it would be a pain in the ass for me to come back and get you and go back and forth. Can you just, like, meet me at the restaurant called Byzantine at six? And Cheryl, at first, she doesn't really want to drive. She doesn't want to take a separate car. Probably she's not going to want to drive back later, is my guess, from uh, the women in my life. That's always the issue. If they're fine with driving there, it's just like, I'm not going to want to drive later. Um, so fine. But Larry's just like, yeah, what about I th- he mentions someone's name? I'm guessing that's probably like their cleaning lady or something. And, you know, she's maybe she'll be driving in that direction. You could get a ride with her. So Cheryl yeah, I agrees. I thought that's what the reference was. But we don't see who that person is. Either. Yeah, that's what I would assume. But I guess it could have just been like a neighbor that they know happens to go somewhere every day. But that seems less likely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I assume it was someone who works in their house. So anyway, um, Larry gets in the car. He goes off to meet Richard. They're hanging out. and At what the beach Ri- for some reason. <laughs> yes. And what Richard tells him is that he feels that in their friendship, Larry is never the one to initiate any sort of outreach or hanging out. And it's always Richard that has to you know, reach out to make plans. And he feels like if he would never do that, then he would never see him. And his shrink has told him that he should confront Larry about this. Yeah. Um. And Larry and you know Larry basically you know plays it like a man. He he admits that you know this is this is the case. Your 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 reading of the situation is correct. And the reason why I don't is because I don't like your girlfriend, and I don't really want to be around her and be around you when you're around her. With good um, cause, from what we've seen. Of yeah, um, and I and I think well now we could confirm that the girlfriend that he calls on the phone in the jewelry store episode is likely her, unless you know Sophia. unless they yeah. broke up in the middle and got back together. But I think we could just assume Richard has had one girlfriend this whole season now yeah um so which is good for richard because from, from what we learned to know of him i think uh, a relationship that long is unusual for him yeah yeah he's doing okay for himself in the current he, he'll stick with his status quo i think yeah. Um, so Larry says, okay, you know what? I'll, you know, I'll make it up to you. Why don't you join us for dinner? But Richard says, actually, we have plans, but why don't after you our plans end and your plans end, you'll come over to our house and we'll have some dessert and coffee. Um, so one of the things that I always remembered from Curb is that they, ha- they constantly do this thing where they go to a restaurant for dinner and then they go to a separate location to have dessert, which I always thought was like the most insane thing. Like, what, like I've never done that in my life. Cheryl's a big fan of that. Yeah. And the few times that I've been in LA, like LA people do this. Like, it's just like, it's actually pretty cool, um, I, you know, because like you get to be like, oh, there's this like specific dessert, this specific place, and let's just go have that and eat that together. And you know, that's that's a fun experience. I can't imagine ever doing that in my everyday life, but like, basically, whenever I'm in LA, it's like you're on vacation, so you get to like live like a, a rich person a little bit on vacation. So I, I kind of get it, but it's still it still seems highly inefficient to me. It's sort of funny you say, well, let's go to a specific place for their special dessert because my wife does the opposite, which is when we go out to a restaurant for dinner. 
instead of trying the dessert that, that restaurant has, which you know is presumably unique in some sense, she always wants to leave the restaurant to go to Sixteen Handles for dessert. So oh, she always no. wants the same dessert every time. Yeah, that's strange. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't agree with that. My, I, like, I have a try what's here, and it might be better. She's like, but I know I like that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. So I, uh, my idea always is that I would, I think every like fancyish restaurant or whatever, any restaurant that has a dessert menu should do is have an option be that you get like a poo poo platter of like the six other things. You get like one bite one on bite one plate, yeah, which, cause like, that's really what everybody wants. Like yeah. you just want like, you just want to like taste stuff. You don't need yeah, to eat like an entire piece of cake. No, that's a good yeah. idea. So I, I, I have a friend who, or you know, my wife's friends who, uh, opened the restaurant and I told him this idea and he didn't do it. So maybe it's not that good. It's idea. one thing if it's some kind of item that has to be prepared for one person, but if it's like a cake or a slice of cake or something like that, it doesn't seem that different. Yeah, I'd rather have a bite of the chocolate cake and a yeah. bite of the apple pie. Yeah, that seems like a very good idea. I'll go to your restaurant. All right, great. So all I need to do now is or, is open a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I think I've, we, I've, I've done the hard part for you. I've yeah, we'll get, I think we dessert. get back to that in season three, right? Is that yes. a restaurant season? Yeah. Yes, okay. there will be a restaurant opening. That's true. excellent. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that in a few months. Yeah, Larry has a lot of good ideas, and we have some good ideas also. Yeah. So anyway, so as they're concluding their conversation, making their plans for later, um, who happens to walk by? But one of Richard's friends, a dermatologist named Justin. And they talk about how he's a dermatologist and, you know, he's a good doctor. And Larry's, you know, tries to make a joke and says something to the effect of, oh, I'm surprised that you would go see him as, a, as your doctor, given the whole affirmative action thing. Yeah. And this joke just makes no sense. Like, like Larry keeps saying, well, it was a joke. I was trying to be affable. But like, I don't what was he trying to say? Like, it well, doesn't I, it, I, I mean, don't understand I, how that's affable. Well, I think the premise of the joke is you shouldn't go to a black doctor because he's probably not as good as a white doctor. Yeah, because... well, I guess so. But why yeah. would Larry? It just—it's very unfair. No, it's a to very me. no, it's a very offensive joke. But but <laughs> even but the but forget about the but you at least in your narration of it you said the full sentence. Larry doesn't even say the full sentence. All Larry Richard says is my doctor, and Larry says even with the whole affirmative action thing. That's the full sentence. Yeah. So even so what? Like it's... I didn't even understand at first that he meant. You know, I don't know. It was very odd. Um, I would say that with this uh, terrible attempt, Larry takes an early lead for worst person in the episode. <laughs> yeah, very well, right? Um, so, although, Which surprisingly, like, he's yet to win through eight episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, Justin gets very upset. He's very confused. Yeah. Why would you say this to me? Like, even if you, you know, even if you're a racist, usually, like yeah. in polite society, racist people don't just like say, like, ex- even you know, the impolite. Yeah, yes, yeah, like you just like you don't just like say outwardly racist things to, to while yeah. the black person is there. Yeah. Or uh, like, if he's your buddy, it's one thing to be like, you know, ribbing him. But this is a yeah, person you've just met. Right. So right. So that's what I think Larry means when he was trying to be affable. Like he was trying to be like he's like overcompensating for the fact that he felt uncomfortable around the black person and trying to be like extra chummy with him. And like people who are friends like will joke around about things like that more yeah, so than when you meet a new person. So I think no, you still shouldn't. But meaning like I think that's what Larry's defense was. Like he was just like playing it like they were better friends than they were because like the the racial tension made him uncomfortable. I guess so. Yeah. Bad job by Larry. Yeah, um, and that's like you know one of the. Like, and again, the it's, gr- not, it's not even like it was funny. It's not like yeah, that was funny. But you no, no, no. It's it. not even like yeah. a good joke. Even if like they're, even if they're best friends, it's a stupid yeah. line. Um, but like that was like some of the most brilliant scenes in Get Out, which obviously have like a double entendre. Once you know where the movie's going, where those like those scenes of like these like white people hanging out with with a black person for like probably one of the first times, and like they're just like they don't like they just can't talk without making it about race at every moment. Like they'll just like, yeah. bring up Tiger Woods or bring up Barack yeah. Obama, and it's just like just. 
act like a normal person. Like that's yeah. all you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, Richard starts defending Larry, like recognizing obviously he made a mistake. He tells him he's a nice person. He's even a liberal, but Justin like won't have it. He's obviously very upset. Like uh, you introduced me to my friend, and you know you're he's he says ra- the first thing he says to me is racist. Yeah. Um, so you know uh, Justin walks off. Richard is very angry at, at Larry. He tells him that he sounds like Pat Buchanan's gym partner, and Larry's the only defense. Which is, is odd, because like, Pat Buchanan does not look like he's ever gone. Yeah, he's probably not a big uh, gym rat. Um, and Larry's, you know, only defense that he could come up with is, you know, I tend to say stupid things to black people sometimes, as we all do. Yeah. Which actually will be a consistent thing for Larry in the show, I think. Yeah. Um, so then, um, so fine. So, you know, that, that obviously didn't go well. So Larry, you know, continues with his day. He goes off to meet Cheryl at the restaurant. Unfortunately, there's no tables ready. They're on the waiting list. Um, hold on. I, I, this, this is sort of a pet peeve of mine throughout the season. This like Larry's possession or lack thereof of a cell phone. He arrives at the restaurant and it's clear he hasn't spoken to Cheryl all day. He's like so flustered when he gets there about his previous interaction with, with, uh, Richard and with Justin but like he would have if it's you or I we get in the car or if it's Larry if he owns himself and he gets in the car and he calls Cheryl oh that was so awkward and he tells her what just happened but he doesn't um, do that and yeah, also so, by the way if he would have called her she would have said oh yeah by the way do you get my prescription instead he's like because they've had no communication all day obviously which yeah. you know so it seems odd for someone who owns a cell phone to not communicate with their wife. So I think you could say that it's not necessarily a continuity error, but just like Larry David is not the type of person, especially like at his age, at the time that like cell phones were still relatively new, that like they didn't quite use cell phones the same way that we certainly not the way we do now and even the way we did 10 years ago, where it was just like kind yeah. of a thing you had in the car in case there was an emergency or, you know, you really needed to get in touch with someone. But like you wouldn't necessarily, you know, chat on the phone or at least not everybody would do would use a but cell phone Larry's that way. Larry's has then. been inconsistent. That's what my issue has been, because yeah, in a couple of. So it's this season he has used it that way. Yeah. Or you could just say like he was so like upset about it that like he just like was like stuck in his own thoughts yeah. and like didn't even know. think to call her. But anyway, yeah. um, Cheryl quickly says, all right, can you get me that medicine in the meantime while we're waiting? And Larry's all of a sudden you see just from the look on his face. Oh, shit. I totally forgot about it. He was so discombobulated over the racial joke that he made that he just completely forgot about the prescription. Uh, he tells she tells Cheryl the whole story, and now in an in an inversion of I think what you always claim happens between Cheryl and Larry. Cheryl says, "I'm sure you're making it out to be more than it was," and Larry says, "No, I'm making yeah. it out to be less than it was. There's there's less to Newman than than, <laughs> than you think." Yeah. Um, and Larry just you know for the second time he explains, "I was just trying too hard to be affable, and I you know I said something stupid." Um, so meanwhile, you know, they're waiting for the table. It's, you know, it looks like it's going to be a really long time. And Larry has an idea. He's going to go over to the maitre d' and see if he can work something out with him. He tells him, you know, what is the, what's the situation? Is there a way we could, any way we could improve the situation? And he very not smoothly hands the guy what we later learn is a $20 bill. And the guy says, sure, I can help you with the table. Now, Alex, have you ever pulled off something like this trick in your real I've, life? I've tried it. I have not been successful. You said he wasn't smooth. I thought it was very smooth. It was successful. I guess, yeah. I just, I, I, it seemed very awkward to me as he was doing it. But yeah. I guess that's always awkward when you're Larry David. Like you're... I've tried this twice, uh, both times unsuccessfully. Now I wasn't trying to like. I don't think it's like a secret you're giving the guy the twenty dollars. It doesn't have to be a secret handshake. You just give right. it to him. So, so I did this twice in Vegas and it worked both times. Okay. Um, but so I, how baller but, does that feel? You must feel very, very good. Yeah, it's great. Time. So the first one was like we, when we checked into the hotel. I asked if there was like any upgrades or suites or anything like that available, and the guy said, "Oh, I can check." And and then when he asked me for a deposit, I handed him my credit card with a $20 bill and we got some sort of upgrade. I don't remember what it was, but like it wasn't like anything amazing. Um, and then one night that we were there, we went to a Strokes concert and we had 
like tickets all the way in the back and there was like a general admission floor for like 500 people and i think me and i think ab decided like let's try to see if we could get down into that like vip area and when the, there was a guy standing at the gate asking you know show your ticket to see if you belong here and i handed him my ticket i think with like a five or a ten and he looked at it gave me back my ticket and said go ahead and That's I was, that was okay oh wow yeah and that was like amazing i was like i was like yeah why would i buy the expensive tickets have you like, tried that sucker. many times and, and, and not succeeded no so i i haven't oh. tried it since because i was specifically told that like it works everywhere in vegas oh, okay. uh yeah. so i just tried it on places there but i've yeah i was i'm generally not the type of person that does stuff like that so I've it tried was really it twice in new york it, like trying to get into a, you know going up to the bouncer and trying to skip the line yeah uh, it was only because i was specifically told like in vegas like everyone is just like trying to make a few extra bucks so like just like you could get basically always work so i gave it a shot so this podcast here to give you uh travel tips as well yeah that's right we're gonna do uh like a rick steves series after this because you know everyone because every everyone's gonna be doing a lot of world travel in the coming weeks yeah exactly (laughs) you gotta put these episodes Anyway, so it works. Uh, they get a table. La- Cheryl is like a little bit turned on. She's impressed. Larry says, yeah, of course you are. That's because women are attracted to criminals. Um, they're, uh, while they're sitting at the table, you know, they have some uh, some chit chat. They see a handicapped person going by in any uh, non-electronic wheelchair. And Larry's like very upset by this. He thinks that if you're a person who's in a wheelchair, you have a handicap, like your main priority in life needs to be to make sure you have a motorized wheelchair. <laughs> Cheryl says, well, maybe he likes getting the exercise, which Larry says, OK, so then get a motorized one that also you can turn off the motor. And like that way you have the option. If it, you know occasionally you want to get some exercise, go ahead. But, you know, the, the majority of the time you're probably going to want the motor running so you don't have to you know push with your hands yeah so can i actually I, I didn't think of this before this isn't in my notes but as you're talking i just thought about this is it not possible i assume the motorized one is a much heavier bulkier piece of equipment this guy's like going to a restaurant maybe the one that he has in his car that he schleps in and out of his car for like you know he's not traveling very far here he's just going into a restaurant and back so yeah you know, it could be it could be he yeah. has multiple wheelchairs the way you would have multiple strollers yeah. like yeah, you know so this is like this is his, yeah, this yeah. is his uh umbrella wheelchair Yes, exactly. As they uh, as they call it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so then you know, Larry looks across the room and he sees someone that he recognizes. He tells Cheryl, "This is a man named Ted Herbert. He used to run ABC. He now runs NBC. And I really don't want to have to interact with him because he makes terrible small talk, and I always get sucked into it. I won't get to be able to get out of the conversation. Um, and I need to go use the bathroom, but I really don't want to talk to this guy. So I'm going to walk two doors down and use their bathroom and see if I could pull that off without having to see this guy. Yeah. Another situation, by the way, we're having a cell phone. An easy solution because you could just pretend to be on a call as you walk past this table to the bathroom, and then you can right. just do like the wave and keep going. Yeah, well, he seems to think that this guy he won't he won't be able to get away with that. That if this yeah. guy sees him, then he's gonna have to talk to this guy at some point, and it's gonna yeah. be an, an annoying conversation. Because like if you do that, then like he'll get you on the way back or something like that. Yeah, so he I just mean, really, I, yeah, yeah, just keep the conversation going. But <laughs> yeah, uh, you actually really I remember telling me years ago, uh, back I guess in your more. Uh, uh, observant days that when you would be in like a public place like an airport or something and you had to pray do you remember telling me this I'm sure you remember uh, it sounds somewhat familiar yeah I would yeah. pretend that I was on a phone yeah you so that it wouldn't look like you were just sort of talking to yourself or talking to nobody uh, when you were chatting with the Lord you'd, put, you'd pick up a phone near your ear while, while praying so that uh, passersby would just think you're on the phone to uh, yeah to that sounds that word. sounds like that could have been me um, yeah, I don't do that anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
but yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a good trick. You could use your you could use your. I mean, I uh, the cell phone has become an excellent crutch for all sorts of like social yes. anxiety situations. So yeah. yeah, but also you don't even need one anymore because now you just see people walking around talking to nobody anyway, and you <laughs> right. can tell are they crazy yeah. or just on Bluetooth. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyway, so uh, Larry uh, checks out of the restaurant. He was, starts walking down. He goes into the next door, and he walks in, and all of a sudden he bumps into another black woman. So of course she's going to be very involved in the plot. And he doesn't recognize her, but she tells her she tells him her name is Denise Pendergrass, and they had a meeting a few years ago. She wanted to be a line producer and get a job on his movie Sour Grapes, and she didn't get it, and she wants to know what happened, what was the problem, and Larry explains, well, the job ended up going to a guy named Barry, who's a friend of my wife. Now, this is a perfectly reasonable place where Larry can refer to his wife as my wife because yeah. Denise does not know his wife. Yeah. So there you go. Good usage. Av is not crazy. I could recognize when it's okay. Um, anyway, so Denise asks Larry, oh, this this person, Barry, is he black? And Larry says no. And she gets very upset and wants to know why Larry has a problem giving a job to people like her. And Larry insists. She doesn't, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Race wasn't a factor. The only factor here was nepotism. Yeah. Which, and by the way, it, it is a valid concern that, like, one of the sort of the necessities from affirmative action is the fact that sort of some of the connections, nepotism aspects that also give people um, access to, to jobs and opportunities and, and spots in, in, in coveted institutions and things like that, often people who don't otherwise deserve it is just because they have connections, and those people tend to be overwhelmingly white and rich, and so, you know, but, but it's not, but, it's, but for her to assume that Larry therefore must be racist, right? Is a is a little bit of a stretch, I think. Yeah, so we you know we're we're all looking forward to an idealized world one day where people of all races can give jobs to people of their same race out of nepotism. Yeah. And by the way, it is like so. Then she starts talking about how like you know there were no white people on Seinfeld, which is of course a, a common criticism. Yes. no black people. Excuse me, but it is you know I'm in the middle of of reading all 180 Seinfeld scripts. Uh, oh, as are you as possible <laughs> for no particular reason? Uh, yeah, to be on another podcast coming soon near you. But it is, really is kind of nuts that Jerry dates you know. 50 plus women on Seinfeld and like they're just incredibly non-diverse. There's a single Native American. There's an attempt at a single Asian who turns out to be, which is Donna Chang, who turns out just to be another white Jew from Long Island. But it's just Lily White, you know, one after another after another. Like and even Friends, like, you know, at least once in a while would be responsive to the criticism, although also Friends is on the air a little bit later. But uh, yeah, Seinfeld was really not the most diverse of shows. So she has a point there. Yeah, but it's, so it's funny. It, it's funny that like he just like leans onto nepotism as the as the excuse because like I always just find like I joke always that specifically in, like politics and in entertainment that like whenever you're just like stumbling across any Wikipedia page, it's just like oh of course like this person who's like a bit actor like his uncle was yeah. a director in the seventies. Yeah. Just like it's like ninety percent of the people in both of those industries. Yeah, well, how are they going to pick the person? Yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just uncanny. It's like yeah. super depressing. By the way, Mrs. Pendergrass, so you related to Teddy because you know, <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, so Denise uh, says, you know, she has Larry's number. She knows exactly the type of guy that he is, and Larry insists, no, I have no number, no number. Yeah, she's a little drunk. She acknowledges. Which yes, is why yes, she that's true. She's had she, a couple margaritas. Yeah, like she's you know clearly like she's probably you know she's looking to start a fight with someone, unless it happens to be Larry. This time. I thought her acting was pretty good. Though. The actress, she really gives off that. I've had a couple drinks. That yes, yes, just like a little like I I want to I'm going to say something that I wouldn't ordinarily say, but I really do want to say. Yeah, nichnas yain yotzeisod. Exactly. So be careful. Everyone yeah. knows the combination. Yes. <laughs> Um, so Larry heads back over to the other restaurant. He tells Cheryl about what just happened with Denise. In the meantime, Ted has spotted him. He comes over and invites Larry to come play golf with him sometime. So now Larry, you know, as he as he feared, he will be stuck in a, con- in a conversation with this guy in the near future. Yeah, complete lose-lose. 
So in the meantime, they head over to the pharmacy. They're waiting their turn. Larry complains that they put feta cheese in his dish, even though he specifically asked them not to put feta cheese in his dish, which is a valid complaint. If you, you know, it's one thing if you like didn't realize there was feta cheese or whatever, yeah. but if you say don't put without the feta cheese, yeah. and they give you the feta cheese. You know, they shouldn't do that. Yeah. Although why is he uh, complaining about it now? Just you know, at the time. Yeah. So but also everyone, everyone should make sure to tip their uh, no contact delivery workers. You know, they're uh, they're performing great services for us these days, and don't complain if they put feta cheese in by accident. It's not a big yeah. deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it becomes their turn, and Larry realizes again. You see that face of of horror on Larry's on Larry's face, and he realizes that he now still has that crumpled up twenty dollar bill in his pocket, which must mean that he gave the prescription to the maitre d. And now they're screwed because they don't have the prescription. There, they start driving back towards the restaurant. Now, hold on. La- this this part just drives me nuts. Um, okay. Like it makes no sense that if Larry had given the maitre d the prescription instead of the cash, like. The guy would have approached him at some point during dinner. The guy doesn't just take the money and immediately put it in his pocket and never look at it again. In fact, the guy looks at it right away before he gives Larry the table to know. Is this guy giving me a, a single, a five, a ten, a twenty? Like, you know, you're not, you don't just give a table to anybody who gives you anything. What if he's right. giving you his – so that just – it doesn't make any sense that the guy wouldn't have looked and that when he would look, you know, you know and you, uh, so I don't mean to interrupt you, but you said when he gets there, he's just such an ass about it, the guy. And, like, it was obviously a mistake by Larry. Larry wasn't, like, trying to give the, the guy his wife's prescription. Yeah, that's, that, I mean, that's obviously for sure the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Like Larry's plan wasn't, oh, hopefully this guy will never look to see what I gave yeah. him. And he'll just like assume that it's money and, that, yeah. and not just yeah, like a, exactly. a crumpled up receipt. Yeah. Um, so we're there in the car on the way back. And Larry, uh, he asked the question that, frankly, he should have asked when they were still in the pharmacy, which is, why don't you call the doctor and see if you yeah. can quickly call in a new prescription? Um, and Cheryl says she would, but she's not allowed to call the do- her doctor on the weekend unless it's an emergency. She called the, the hotline, I guess. And that's what it said, that, you know, you, you are not to bother the doctor on the weekend unless it's an emergency. You cannot bother the delicate genius. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I've written down, yeah. delicate genius in my yeah, notes. No, it's really clear that Larry David and maybe Jerry Seinfeld really have an issue with uh, health, uh, maybe not in the time of COVID, but with healthcare workers. They're always complaining on both of their shows about doctors and their yeah, foibles they, and their idiosyncrasies. Yeah, they're, they're very uh, highfalutin yeah. and they think yeah. they're hot shit. Yeah. Uh, but he does a whole routine with, the, he says Norman over and over again. I didn't really know exactly. I'm sure that he was probably imitating something specific, but I, it wasn't something I recognized. If anyone out there knows what it is, feel free to let us know. Um, so they, they get back to the restaurant and as you said he tells the maitre d' what happened and he apologizes and the maitre d' said oh of course I know that's what happened I realized what you did and I threw it out in the garbage yeah. um, so now Larry and Cheryl are back in well, the back on. room and then he permits two random strangers into his kitchen to go through the garbage which is a massive health care violation yeah so right right either he it's either like he should feel like he did something wrong or he should think like Larry's an asshole so like if you think he's an asshole like you're not letting that guy back into your kitchen yeah if it's you odd think how mad he is at Larry for what is again, Larry's there to rectify. Although Larry should have showed up and immediately given the guy cash. Say, hey, I'm so sorry. This is what I meant to give you before. Like Larry right. hasn't actually given the guy cash yet, which is odd. Yeah, he's that's what that you should lead with the cash. Yeah. And like an extra ten for your trouble. Yeah, oh exactly. This is a purely transactional relationship. This guy's not your buddy. Yeah. So anyway, they uh they head back to the kitchen, they start digging through the trash. I believe this is something you've done. I've done this twice. Have you ever had to do this? Uh nothing to this extent. Yeah, so I've done it. The first time was in ninth grade. My retainer, I left it on the table at breakfast at school. And so, um, and then when I realized, I went ahead to go, you know, dig through the garbage to try and recover my retainer, you know, to replace the retainer back then cost, what, 120 bucks or whatever. But, you know, that's a lot of money when you're in ninth grade. Uh, the second time, which I think is the one you're referring to, was much more dramatic. Uh, after my second son was born, 
we lived in hospital housing, like right connected to the hospital. So we didn't, you know, normally I think when people have a baby, they like pack a suitcase and move over there. Like we didn't really do that. So when we were leaving the hospital room after a day to go back to our house across the street, we didn't have a backpack or a suitcase or anything. So we just had a bunch of garbage bags. So like, you know, our bags you got from like the grocery store, like, you know, like, you know, little plastic bags. So we just put a bunch of stuff in bags and carried it across. And then um, our babysitter came over and saw a bag, one of those bags like that, at the door of our house and accidentally threw it down the incinerator of our, like, 35-story high, the garbage chute of our 35-story high building. Um, but that bag, unfortunately, had in it my wife's purse and her makeup bag. So she lost her cell phone, and she lost, like, all the amount of makeup she has, which is apparently a lot of makeup. And she was very upset about this. Not upset about her phone, which, if I lost my phone, that'd be the biggest thing for me, obviously. But she was very upset about the, the, all the makeup she lost. And also, she had just, you know, given birth to my child. So I went into the basement of my building where after, you know, for those who don't know, in these large Manhattan buildings, after the garbage falls down the chute, you have an enormous amount of garbage. So they compact it in, like, there's these machines, like, squeeze it into, like, smaller cubes. And I went through garbage for hours on end standing. It was the most disgusting, like, hours of my life. Also, my building has lots of babies, so I opened up tons and tons of diapers. Oh, God. And it was just, like, it was so bad. And my mother-in-law came with me. She, like, I had a mask on, thankfully, and gloves, obviously. It was just an ungodly awful. And the reason it was so bad is I didn't even find it at the end. Like, I spent so much time. And the reason I did is because I was like, well, I'm pot committed at this point. I'm not going to have spent half an hour doing this and <laughs> right. not got it. I'm not going to spend an hour and a half doing this and not right. got it. But it, 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 I looked in every single garbage. They, they, they showed me where all the garbages were in the building. Like, I don't know how I missed it. I don't know how it's possible. I tore my – I literally separated it. I don't know how I didn't find it, but I didn't. So the whole thing was for naught. I did get points for my wife, but then I'm sure I pissed her off with some mild yeah. infraction 10 minutes and, later. And, and, yeah. Right, and it was a wash. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it was, it was one of the worst, like, I mean, I must have been there. In my head, I was there all day. It was probably like an hour at the most, but it just seemed like forever. So, so let me ask you, what do you think was the, like, the cash value of the items that you were looking for? So she claims, well, there's, I mean, the resale cash value or the replacement value, right? Because if you're going to go buy all those makeups sure. new. Yeah, yeah so, sure. So that, I think, Jen, the way she told it, it was that it was several hundred dollars worth of makeup. Okay, so... Because each little thing she has, this is $40, and that's $40, and there's 20 or 30 of them. I don't know. But on a, if on a given night I told you that somewhere in the uh, garbage room in your <laughs> building there was, like, you know, an envelope with three $100 bills in it, yeah. you wouldn't spend your night looking for it, right? Yeah. But, well, I only, I only did this because my wife wanted me to, obviously. Yeah, no. That's... that's yeah, yeah. That's... Yeah. You, you do crazy things for that. So. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Love... Duty, obligation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So I mean, she had just literally pushed a child out of her vagina. So yeah, right. So you know, you got to go to extreme. It was even. It was even. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So um, there, you know, to no avail. Much, much like uh, Alex's search for Doctor Jen's makeup, he, uh, he, Larry is not. Larry and Cheryl are not successful in finding the uh, prescription. Larry all of a sudden realizes who can he call? The very dermatologist. Can I ask you? uh, Has anyone ever asked you? Has Rachel, your wife, ever asked you to do this? And you've said no, or you haven't even been approached with the situation. Um, I mean, I'm sure there might have been something that I th- that like I threw out and like it was like out on the trash in like you know with six trash you know the, the trash cans we keep outside. Yeah. And she said like, oh, well, go search through the garbage, and I probably said no because like yeah. it probably, but like, it probably wasn't something like very valuable or important. Yeah. It was probably yeah. like the kid's toy or something. And I'm like, no, I'm not going through the garbage for like some dumb toy. They're just gonna lose tomorrow. Yes. There. Um. So anyway, um, he realizes that the the answer to his problems is the very dermatologist he met earlier today, notwithstanding the fact that his only interaction with him was making a racist joke in his presence. Um, so Larry's idea is, well, you know, we were planning on going to Richard's anyway. Richard knows Justin, the dermatologist. Why don't we head over to Richard's? We'll tell him the story, and hopefully he can get us in touch with Justin, and, you know, we'll we'll figure it out. 
So they get to Richard. He explains what happens. He asks him, can you please do it? Richard is, you know, he's very off his rocker. He's like, what are you doing, Larry? You were like James Earl Jones today with this guy. Um, but like Larry keeps insisting, like please, like he, he sees that Cheryl like really is in like a lot of pain, and like what's you know he he's you know they're friends and he wants to help them out, so he agrees to make the nightmare call, and he heads over to the phone. Sophia's on the phone. She refuses to get over off the phone. They yell at each other. Finally, she hangs up on the phone. She throws a tantrum. He, she gets upset. She says she had to hang up on her agent. She didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to him. Her and Larry are cursing each other out. Meanwhile, Richard is you know on the phone with Justin. He's trying to defend Larry. He explain it. And he says, why don't you let him come over? And he'll, you know, will you know, smooth things over. And Justin agrees. He says, you know, sure, you know, Larry and Cheryl, come on over. Um, you know, Larry obviously makes it clear I'm going to go over. I'm going to apologize to him, and then, you know, we're gonna we're gonna help Cheryl out. So, anything anything to add there? Uh, no, not really. Okay. So they're in the back in the car. Well, you know. I, I guess I'll just my consistent complaint. Like, so neither Richard nor Cheryl. Nor Larry, nor Sophia. None of them have a cell phone. Right? Yeah, so I, I think I'm, yeah, I think it's just back to what I said before. Like they're, yeah. like they're of the age, and it's at the time where like I think just people, like especially when they were planning to go there anyway. Like it's just it's like an easier conversation to have in person. Like they're no, I no. Just, I'm, I'm saying when they. Oh, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. I'm talking about when they get in the fight over using the phone at Richard's house. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That so that's that Sophia won't share the phone, and I'm right. Saying no so right, they, they, right. Yeah. They could use a cell phone to call Justin. Yeah. That's true. Um. Anyway, so Larry's back in the car with Cheryl. They're driving over to Justin's house, and the, we hear the GPS, and Larry's very proud of himself and excited that he got his GPS to work. We saw a few episodes back when they uh, got lost on the Porto Gill party that he has the GPS, but he doesn't know how to work it, and now he says his parents will be very proud of him that he got his GPS to work. So they get to Justin's house. His wife opens the door. They come in. They see there's a whole, you know, there's a get-together going on there. There's a whole room full of uh, Donna and Justin's friends, and they're hanging out. And Larry walks in. He starts apologizing to Justin, says, you know, I'm really sorry about earlier. Justin says, basically, don't worry about it. I understand. You know, let's just move on. Um, the, the guests at the party, at first, I would say strangely, you know, get involved and say, oh, what, what happens? <laughs> to which both Larry and Justin continually insist oh don't worry about it like it's not really not a big deal no reason to, to make it up at which point like certainly these guests who should not have brought it up at the, yeah. even the first time should now just like just... move on like now they're just like totally you know, out of their minds that they keep oh, insisting. Oh I, oh I was thinking the other way around like really? asking initially is inappropriate but once they're like doth protest so much at that point you really want to know you want to know but like like clearly this is like you don't know they don't know larry like larry's yeah. a stranger who's like coming yeah. in like the only thing to do is said like he's they've seen him like apologize to a guy both parties yeah. involved like clearly don't want to talk about it yeah like for them to like it's, insist right, like no like weird. air this in front of all the, this room full of strangers is very is very unusual it's one if like they were like if it's like a group of friends that larry was part of that's a different story i think yeah um Anyway, quite, quite, quite an erudite uh, collection of people, by the way. They're all like professors and yes. academics, and yes, yeah, which I guess makes sense because he's a dermatologist. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, very likely travels in high society. I suppose. Um, yeah. So you know, finally, you know, Larry gives in. He tells the joke. Um, there's a little cringes, but at the end of the day, it doesn't go over too badly. Um, oh, tremendous! I thought this is the one part of the episode I liked the most: the misdirection of yes. while you're watching this, you assume it's going to go horribly. Yeah, and, and like then they, it, it goes yeah, great, like, and then yeah. 
Yeah, oh, like, that was done well. like, they get it. Like, he said something stupid. Like, he's here to apologize. He seems like a decent enough guy. Like, you know, everyone says something dumb from time to time. Um, he even cracks a joke about how, you know, I know not to say sister when I'm talking to you. So, like, they see, like, you know, he's he's a reasonable person. He just, you know, he uh, he put his foot in his mouth. Yeah. Um, Although that yeah. moment when he first tells it and the room is dead silent and Cheryl does this really awkward laugh. For a moment, <laughs> you're like, oh, this is going to be very bad. Yes, I, I definitely thought that's where it was headed. Yeah. Um, now, of course, uh, because there's a collection of black people here, the other black person for the yeah. episode. He's the only black people in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, exactly. So Denise is there. She was, she storms in. But that's she, why it's weird because everybody else is like all these like academics and professors. And then there's this woman who's trying to be like a PA on a TV show. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just seems like a weird collection of people, except that, again, they're the only black people in LA, so they have to hang out. There. Right. So they all have to hang out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so she, you know, she calls Larry a racist and how she didn't give him, he didn't give her a job because she's black, yada, yada. And apparently, this you know tirade seems to have won over the entire room. Yeah. Who thirty seconds ago seemed, thought Larry seemed like a different guy, a decent guy, but because some woman starts yelling at him, it seems like it's implied that Larry gets kicked out of the house. Um, Justin did not give them the prescription in the end, and yeah. Larry says, "All right, well now you have no choice. You have to call your doctor. We're out of options." So they decide to. This was like a weird exchange. They said, "Like, what number should we put in to page him?" And Larry says, "We'll be home in two minutes, so let's just page him to our home." Like, you, it is. I assume that this was like setting up like they're going to miss the call now or something like that but just an unusual exchange and again uh, now they have the cell phone of course but right yeah so again like they clearly they don't they're yeah. not comfortable using their phones because like yeah. they want it they wanted they want to talk on a, on a landline yeah maybe they don't have good service yeah perhaps uh, by the way there's a couple things here very that about the dermatologist's behavior that are very strange first of all Immediately upon seeing Cheryl, he doesn't excuse himself to go check on her somewhere else, which I think is a normal thing a doctor would do. He start, like She starts to lift her sleeve, and he starts to examine her in front of the whole crowd. And then after the whole resolution of the affirmative action thing, again, he checks her in front of the whole crowd. So I thought that was a little strange. But then the much harder thing for me to believe is that Larry and Cheryl would have ended up leaving without the prescription. Like, the dermatologist, who's already gone to tremendous lengths, by the way, would have just given her the prescription. Like, I would almost say that, given the Hippocratic Oath, I don't think a doctor can refuse to give a prescription after having examined a patient and intending to do so only because of a suspicion that the person's spouse is racist. I don't know. Yeah, so I think Amir is going to bring this up in his email, and okay. I thought about this too. And then, like, I just, I don't know the rules anyway, so, like, I don't know if this, it could be that, like, the thing that he was doing originally is, like, a type of thing maybe he shouldn't be doing, like, has, having someone come over to his house and, like, not at, like, his office or at a facility. And, like, it's, like, the type of thing that, like, doctors do for friends, but it's, like, also the type of thing that, like, in theory you could get in trouble for. So, Wait, like, but, now... But, but, but why? But, no, why? He's examining her. She's a dermatologist. I, I don't know. Like, don't, yeah, it just seems like maybe like you're you know you're supposed to see patients like in as the child as the child of a pediatrician. I can tell you, we constantly had people coming over like on Sundays or Saturday afternoons. Yeah, I guess, fair enough. Yeah, you're probably you're probably not right. necessarily. Yeah, there's no and, and frankly in TV shows and movies, doctors usually make house calls. Not in real yeah. life, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just more like this seems like you know he's doing a favor and like yeah. he no longer wants to do a favor for this for these people. Yeah. I guess so. I just, you know, I think I think doctors have a duty to. Uh, but yeah, but also you would think just he like could have he, said no in the first place. But once she's already there and he sees it, she yeah, and like probably the easiest way to get them out of there is to just like give them the prescription and let them yeah. be on their way. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so they call, uh, they page the uh, original doctor. Uh, they're sitting like waiting by the phone. There's like this horror music playing, like because you know they're, yeah, they're you don't know what's yeah, gonna happen next. Well um, the phone rings. They pick up. It's her dad. She yells at him that she can't talk right now and immediately hangs up because I guess they must uh, they don't have call waiting, so they're nervous that yeah. the, the doctor will get a busy signal and then like you're never getting the doctor again yeah. that's it 
Uh, that's happened to me. Like when we like we like page a doctor and then like you missed the call and then you have to like start the whole process again. So you got like, another weird, forty minutes. Call waiting was like such a thing always on Seinfeld, right? Yeah, that's true. So um, yeah, they pick and choose what technology exists yeah. based on the script. Um, anyway, so finally the doctor calls and you could tell that he asked, like, this doesn't sound like it's life threatening. And she explains that, well, if I scratch myself to death, that would be life threatening. <laughs> and the doctor, you know, I guess just a relents, he calls it in and, but like, clearly he says, you know, don't ever do this again. And she agrees. So they get back to the store and there's a long line at the pharmacy. The pharmacist says it's going to be 45 minutes. Larry says, oh, but my medical need is urgent. So yes. can I cut the line? And the, and the pharmacist, oh, I didn't realize that of all the people waiting in the pharmacy, <laughs> your medical situation was an important medical situation. Um, but anyway, you know, not, there's nothing he could do about it. Larry says, well, this worked for me one time earlier. So he goes over to the pharmacist and tries to pull the same games with him. Is there somehow, somehow we can work this out? And the pharmacist flips out. He exclaims that nobody tries to bar- bribe a pharmacist. They call security and they kick Larry out of the pharmacy. Um, we see Larry arrive back home and he hears Cheryl scratching as he walks up the stairs. And the episode ends. Not my favorite episode. In fact, my least favorite episode of the season. I say yeah. I, I give it just uh, one pretty good. Interesting. Yeah, um, I was a little bit higher than that. I think I would go with uh, two out of five. Pretty, pretty good. There uh, there were some scenes that made me laugh. Um, I, I, as we mentioned, I thought the misdirection on the when he tells the joke to uh, Dr. Justin and his friends was was very well played. Um, so I'll give it two out of five. Um, So that's not terrible. Yeah, not terrible. But yeah, I definitely on the lower. I don't know if I would say it was the worst episode of the season, but it's definitely like in the bottom tier if it's not the worst. I I didn't look back at my other ratings. Um, Who's your come with? You gave one and a half to Ted and Mary. Okay. Yeah. You've given two out of five to uh, five of the nine episodes, uh, five episodes so far, including three in a row. Okay, interesting. So how does this compare to Amco and Beloved Ant? Yeah, I think it's definitely worse than Amco. Mm hmm. This is similar to Beloved Ants, although Beloved Ants obviously is more memorable, as yeah. we talked about last week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't like neither of these. I thought had like a ton of great laughs. Um, I, I was about to ask you about Come With Guy, and again here, I yeah. thought there was like no one like clear that was like, oh, that guy had a great episode. Um, it was just it was kind of a a, a like a lower key episode, I think, for a lot of characters. Yeah, it's also these early season episodes uh, without with no Jeff are tough because you know we don't have a Leon yet, we don't have a Funkhauser yet, so the only non-Jeff buddy that Larry has is Richard and Richard's sort of always been the weakest of that bunch I think yeah and as a result I think you see a lot of the banter in this episode that Larry does is with Cheryl yeah. uh, which is oh, like it's you nice know to get more Cheryl yeah but, it's yeah. Some, it's sometimes good but like she's not necessarily going to come back with like the great like back and forth the way a Jeff or a Leon or a Richard yeah. will yeah so uh, who is your come with guy or girl I think I'll go with Richard just because I think he did have a couple good lines in this episode you know the James Earl Ray line um, it's just like him like being exasperated about you know Larry making the racist joke and like he actually you know uh, you know very unusual for Richard doesn't act selfishly and agrees to help Larry out and help Cheryl out. So, you know, I'll give, I'll give it to Richard for this episode, but it's not a strong one. Yeah, very exciting for Richard. The first time that Av Sinensky has given him a Come With Guy award. I gave him one in episode four. Oh, wow, this is big news. We'll notify so, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's uh, he's tied at the top of the standings with one, with Jeff, Cheryl, Mary, Porno Gill, Mike Duffy, because uh, he got two half votes, and Susie. Uh, so I was really torn. I didn't really have a Come With Guy here either. I ended up deciding, uh, this is a little bit of a, of, a, of a strange one, but the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to give it to the uh, to Justin, the dermatologist, okay. up until the moment when the drunk lady appears. 
because yeah. he goes out of his way to be really nice and courteous to Larry and his wife, who are complete strangers and who he only knows for a momentary racist interaction. So uh, I'm actually going to give it to Justin. However, my worst person is again Justin for his Im- immediate behavior thereafter, which is how can you refuse to give a patient a prescription? I just, you know, maybe just because I'm married to a doctor, I, I just don't see how you, you got to give a prescription at that point. So yeah, n- very not nice thing to do to uh, leave this woman uh, all itchy all night, even yeah. though her husband's a racist asshole. For, for right. So I'll, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think that Denise, though, is a clearer just bad person in this episode. Like she has two interactions with somebody who well, she has she had a little bit to drink. Yeah, but like she basically accosts him in a restaurant and then sees him again. And instead of saying like, hey, I'm sorry about calling you racist the other day for no reason that or at least that she has evidence of it's possible that, you know, race was a factor. But like she has no reason to think that Larry actually did anything wrong Um, and sees him in like a social situation with other people that like she has no idea if she if he knows these people, like what the situation and just like starts yelling at him again that he's racist. So um, I guess I guess I'm just uh, I'm more sensitive to being called racist than you are. So I mean, you've heard it more, or you've never heard it. I don't. Uh, know. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not. I, I haven't heard it often, but you know. Um. Anyway. <laughs> I so. Um. I don't think there was anyone too interesting in the uh, you know, the cameos this week in terms of uh, yeah. actors. Um, you know, we got the return of Sophia Milos as Richard's girlfriend. Um, Ted Harbert, the guy, the ABC executive, plays a guy named Ted Harbert. So I guess that's probably the executive. But although, who the hell knows? Know. Yeah. Or just an actor with the same name. So, yeah, not a lot to say there. Next week, we have the season finale of, of season one. An episode by its title, wouldn't really remember much about it. It's called The Group. This is an episode where uh, we see Cheryl gets a job on the vagina monologues and Larry escorts an ex to an incest anonymous meeting. That's right. But before we sign off, we're going to read a couple emails. Oh, yes. Because that's what we do on this podcast. Yes. We switched up roles today. so I'm a little Yeah, confused. it's all good. And the uh, the people that sent the emails are probably the only people listening, so we should read their emails. <laughs> so first email we have is from Amir. He has a few comments. Number one, while Larry's affirmative action joke was objective was objectively a terrible one, I don't get why the doctor's question was, if I wasn't black, would you have said the same thing? Assuming Larry told a bad joke, what does that have to do with anything? Of course, Larry wouldn't have said the same thing to a white doctor. There would be no joke. Context matters with jokes, whether they're good or bad. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, that's... Obviously, well, I think it was the doctor was like trying to point out. I was like, Larry yeah, was saying, yeah, like, uh, yeah, not, not sure racist, not racist. And yeah. the doctor's like, well, the obviously only reason you said that joke yes. is because I'm black. So yeah. obviously it was racist. So yeah, um, bad comments by Amir. <laughs> um, second, he I mean, uh, he's a racist. <laughs> Larry's idea that women are attracted to criminals is exactly the thing that George says in the little kick. Seems Elaine's made you the bad boy and Anna digs the bad boy. Yes, very much true. I don't think that's unique to Seinfeld and Kirk, but yeah. Yeah. And then for his last way, comment, t- Ted Harbert, just so you know, uh, he is a an actor named Ted Harbert. So. All right. So he's probably not the executive. He just took his own name. To... He's also not doing that well because it says he's known for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, that's a, that's what that's what I always look at. I see if, yeah. like, if like one of the first three things is Curb, then I'm like, all right, you're not. You yeah. know, I'm not going like, to look further in your background. Not, not ideal. Yeah. Um, and then his last point, which we brought up before, you know, like you, he's you know, he's very upset that Dr. Grams refuses to give Cheryl a prescription because her husband might be a racist. It seems very unethical and she's clearly in pain and she needs the medicine. So, like, what are you doing? Just give her the prescription and like let them be on with their night. Um, yeah, we, we I think we all agree about that. So bad job by the doctor. First, do no harm. 
Yes, exactly. Um, and then finally, as always, Olin Allen, he writes, Hey, Av and Chester, I was going along with Chester's view on Cheryl being the true villain of the show, but this week will be hard to argue. Her main yes. fault is entrusting Larry too much when he can be easily preoccupied and taking care of the prescription herself. Not overly accommodating on restaurant meeting, but think that wasn't too unreasonable. Larry messed up big time on several occasions, generally well-intentioned, but rather awkward and unaware of where things are acceptable with the doctor's joke and the pharmacy tip. The bad joke was delivered very awkwardly. All right. Good for the Seinfeld references to be brought up the line producer who didn't get the sour grapes job. Although maybe she should be thankful she didn't get it having watched it earlier yes. this week. Oh, I also watched it. I know we, we talked about oh, it on this episode that yeah. maybe we would uh, do an episode about sour grapes, but I watched it and then I told Alex, let's not do an episode about sour grapes because it's really not good. And yeah. I don't think there's really anything to talk about. Um, it does have like a very curb slash Seinfeld vibe to it. Just kind of like the way people talk to each other, but it's it's really not a good movie. So um, sorry if you watched it hoping for a podcast. Um, if you want it, you could, you know, Owen, you could WhatsApp me. We could talk about sour grapes. <laughs> Um, so Olin says it was a decent half hour with Richard Lewis producing the major laughs and some great acting as well when he is torn between his girlfriend and accommodating Cheryl he gives it three pretties out of five for the go with guy he's torn between Dr. Grant and Richard just like we said he gives it to Richard um, he liked his Pat Buchanan line for the villain of the week um, I think he's going to give it to the line producer like I did even though she was she had had a drink but like she said he says one of the lighter villains of the season I agree I think you know even though I think she was pretty bad compared to some of the other people we've seen you know we've seen worse let's put it yeah. like that by the way so I was sort of joking around. I said oh, I'm gonna give it to Justin for not writing the prescription I'm actually gonna give it to Sophia though which, uh, a two-time winner because she won in episode one also to me, like she, the fact she refuses to get off the phone when someone says they have a medical emergency is obnoxious. And then the way she's like completely flipping out her like her boyfriend's best friend, and just like you know going to war with him. And I, I'm sure that when the Davids left, it was not a pleasant household in, uh, for Richard and Sophia the rest of that night either. So yeah, yeah. So she's uh, she's appeared in I think three scenes now yeah. in this series and has earned two first person of the episode yeah. awards. Although I will say she uh, is looking very attractive in this episode. Yeah, she, you know, you see why why Richard puts up with her shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, so as I tried to say before, we no more emails, correct? We're good. All right. Okay. So next week we have the group by title alone, not really an episode that's very evocative, right? Yeah, I have no idea what this is. Yeah. It's um and again so this is an episode as I said Cheryl uh, gets a gets a job on the vagina monologues and Larry has to escort an ex to Incest Anonymous which I assume is the group uh, being referenced in the title but I'm not sure uh, vagina monologues it. is a, a show that was referenced by friend of the podcast or friend of you or whatever uh, Rob Sesternino on the Amazon season that you guys reference he talks about vagina monologues. Um, I've been watching a lot of Survivor recently, and that show is... Pretty, 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 pretty good. 